This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Level 7. This is the Agents of Fandom podcast. I am your host, TJ Zwarich. We are ready to break down some Thor, Love and Thunder, a polarizing movie because some people absolutely love it and some people are absolutely crapping on it. So we're here to get some varying perspectives today and uh, dive deep. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, Garrett Blaney. How's it going, Garrett? You know, it's going good. I I wanted to see this movie for a long time. I'm a big Thor guy, so I'm excited to to dive into it. Heck yes. And we, of course, have a very special guest, like always. This is someone who you should be familiar with if you are a longtime <laughs> listener of the podcast. Richard Nevins, The Machine. How's it going, Rich? Doing great. Glad to be back. And uh, also, shout out, Garrett. Uh, I'm so glad we finally met up in person. You saw us both on Twitter. It was amazing garrett is the man you know what i was gonna get to that but i love that you just started it right off the bat we nina and i had such a good time i uh, loved seeing top gun with you loved being able to get your reaction to thor and, and and just meeting you the first the first person in the industry that i've met in person before any of the agents of fandom it's wild but you are a gem and i cannot wait to to get back to that again hopefully soon I completely agree. I echo all those sentiments. Yeah, I met you before I've met any of my guys at the Direct. I know we talk about that all the time. We we all can't wait to meet up, but it was awesome meeting you, and I'm glad we finally did that. Yeah, me too. It's it was a, truly an experience. It's a blessing and a curse being in this industry, especially kind of as the three of us, four of us with Ruben here as well, hanging out in the background, kind of have sort of excelled and grow, grown in this pandemic. And the benefit is you make friends all over the world, all over the country. Tough part is, is when you meet, you make friends so far away, it's tough to meet them in real life. So yeah. that's so awesome that you guys got the chance to do that. That is, I'm jealous, but I'm going to meet Garrett in one month from uh, today, a little, a little bit less. And so I'm uh, very excited about that, but Let's yeah, I was just this, uh, I was just going to say don't podcast. be jealous because I just bought my tickets to Canada today. So it is <laughs> Oh Canada. No it's a jealous. thing. It's happening. It's happening. Garrett has walked into Canada as of now. It is happening. And before we talk about Thor Love and Thunder, we got a few things to take care of. 
keep your eyes peeled to agents of fandom.com. We have lots of new writers joining the roster and they're putting out some amazing content. And uh, we also have uh, an interview coming up on the podcast feed shortly with Bill Ratner. He's the voice of Flint from G.I. Joe. It's G.I. Joe, uh, the animated movie's 35th anim- uh, anniversary. And uh, you'll also, even if you're not a G.I. Joe fan, you'll recognize Bill's voice because Bill's the trailer guy. Like, you have heard Bill's voice in a trailer before. He did Ant-Man. Uh, he did uh, Talladega Nights, Blades of Glory, a bunch of Will Ferrell and Mike Myers movies. He's the guy that sounds like this. It, and is so he the we same guy have... that did the Iron Man one also? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I think Ant-Man was his first Marvel one. But there's a, okay. there's a, we talked in the interview about uh, some people he's learned from who are kind of the standards in the industry. And I believe the guy who did Am- uh, Iron Man was that person that uh, you're referring to there. So we dive into that. And it was a really good conversation. And then, uh, yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button, follow, uh, follow us, check out Agents of Fandom on all the socials. And Garrett's got a pretty, pretty nice uh, shirt on there. Mine's in the wash right now. It's a little scratchy because I hadn't uh, thrown it through the wash yet. But uh, Garrett's, what do you got on and where can the people find it? Well, this is our beautiful Agents of Fandom fandom merch. And you can find it on agentsoffandom.com. Click on the store tab and it will take you to our beautifully made store website. Thank you, Ruben. And you can find our Pride merch there. Uh, our regular merch and you can wear your fandom with pride that's that's our thing and soon enough i won't put a time limit on it but there will be new things added and some really awesome things you guys know how talented ruben is so keep your eyes peeled on that yes that was incredibly well said i couldn't agree more and i believe we've hit all the housekeeping things and so it's time we can finally start diving into some uh to some Thor, some Thor Love and Thunder. We, of course, have our giveaways still going on. Namor the Submariner Funko Pop. I have shipped out the comics to our last giveaway winners. And so uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Agents of Fandom to get in on that uh, Namor the Submariner Funko Pop giveaway for Black Panther Wakanda forever. Rich, you went to the premiere. You saw the movie again today. What do you think of the film? I personally, I really enjoy it. I actually, it holds up with my viewing today. I think it's actually the best of the four, personally. It it tops Ragnarok just by a hair for me. I think all the emotions hit in this movie, the fun hits. I mean, there are parts of it, obviously, it's not perfect. There are, you know, little small things here and there that I don't think quite worked. But overall, I had an absolute blast in this movie. I loved it at the premiere. And I still loved it today. So I'm really glad it held up. I'm glad you enjoy it. Garrett, I know this one that was very highly anticipated for you. What did you think of Thor Love and Thunder? Yeah, so I don't agree with you, Rich. I don't think it's the best of the four. I wanted it to be the best of the four. It does not hold up to Ragnarok for me. Fair I was I was a little bit disappointed. Um I don't hate it. I don't think it's bad by any means. It's just very, it was kind of very middle of the pack for me. Um, yeah. There was some really funny jokes that hit, but there was, there's a lot of things that this movie could have used that would have made it a lot better in my opinion. Yeah. 
And my, I'm kind of right in between the two of you there. And I agree. It's a firm number two for me. I enjoyed it far more than the, the first Thor movie. I enjoyed it far more than the dark world. It comes just below Ragnarok for me, but I've only seen it the one time I'm looking forward to going again where my disappointment comes with the movie is not that anything was bad, but that I really felt like this movie could have been awesome. And there's just, it was so good that I'm kind of mad. It wasn't awesome. It was just missing a few <laughs> things for me, which we're, uh, we're going to get into a little bit here. Um, Garrett, you said you, you got some qualms. There were some parts that disappointed you a little bit. What, uh, what were the negatives uh, for you? Um, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about this and I, I won't necessarily go as far as I've seen some people go, but, um, I'm usually not someone that is affected by like poor VFX or is, is like, I, it, I usually like don't notice it. Or if I do notice it, it doesn't usually pull me out of it. But there were a couple shots in this where I was like, oh man, like there was one where Thor does like a flip at like the in the very beginning like when he's still with the guardians he like does this like massive front flip and it just looked yeah. pretty it looked a little bit wonky and i and i was a little bit bummed by that um but that's that again that's not a huge thing for me i gore was obviously much more was needed with that i think valkyrie is one of the coolest characters in the mcu and uh i i loved i loved every bit of her could have used more valkyrie could have used more mighty thor could have used more gore uh and i i kind of thought the kids thing was like a little bit like out of place at the end it felt a little off to me like the I, charge I, the charge at the end yeah, i was like yeah, yeah i don't yeah. know and so the specific part of that that i loved was kind of showing that thor is now imbued with the odin force and he right. has the ability to speak to a weapon and to enchant it the way that he sees fit. And I thought that was super cool. I kind of enjoyed the campiness of it, but it's kind of unfortunate when I agree with annoying Twitter discourse. And from a few months yeah. ago, when the official runtime came out, a lot of people were saying, ah, this is too short, complaining about the runtime. And I agree because all my issues with it were, I would have loved more Valkyrie how did we not get that scene that she licks uh licks her dagger oh, how did so that not make the that. movie <laughs> i would have liked a little more of jane like they there's uh, been leaks on twitter about uh jane uh just actually transforming into the mighty thor for the first time i wish we would have saw that um i would have liked more backstory on the necro sword i would have liked to hear more about who had it before uh who had it before him in the mcu who was that nameless god that got slaughtered who was the the ex-wielder of the necro sword on the ground we know who it was in comics we don't know who it is in the mcu so i would have liked more there and more gore not necessarily even screen time or like yes more god butchering would have been cool but he had a great arc i just didn't get a lot of time with it if we look at captain america civil war we spend a lot of time with zemo and his plans by himself to get a taste of it we look at um, Thanos, of course, a lot of time spent with him. We look at Killmonger, a lot of time spent with him alone. Some of Marvel's best villains. Hela is another one, but I'd, I'd actually argue for Ragnarok, we didn't get enough alone time with Hela and her play and her plot. We did get her time with Scourge and that crew, and that was good. But just, I think it actually would have been cool to get more Hela and Odin history. Now, my biggest issues are I enjoyed all of these things and I wanted more of them. 
Rich, you're the highest on this movie of the three of us. Were there any negatives uh, for you? And then ta- I kind of would like uh, you to take us into what you thought of the Necrosword origin. So I, you know what's funny is I actually agree with you 100% on the runtime thing. I think it should have been longer, actually. I think that's that more than anything I think it's my biggest complaint about the movie because it was only not even two hours long. I think it was like an hour and 58, 59 minutes or something. I think it could have used a solid, like uh, not even a lot more, just like if it was 215 or 220 even, like an extra five minutes here and there for, for a couple of those scenes, the gore stuff. Um, I mean, like Lady Sif was another one of my main disappointments. I was really looking forward to her coming back and she really didn't get, a lot of screen time at all. I mean, I mean, the moments she had were fun, but I would have liked to see more of her. Um, but I agree, definitely. Like a little bit more on Jane would have been nice. I loved what they did with Gore. Like the actual what we got was really good. But I, I do agree. I think it could have used a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah, going into the Necrosword thing, um, I know in the comics, there's the whole symbiote thing, which I know is a whole new minefield worth of stuff because of the Sony stuff and everything. Um, I don't know how they would have done it, like explained it in terms of how they would have done it in the MCU. But I mean, it would have been nice to get a little bit more, you know, info on that. Like you said, the the God that Gore killed in the beginning. Um, no, and, and like you said, I loved Gore's story. I actually think Christian Bale did a really, really good job bringing this villain to life and and one thing i'll say about the positive side of it i know everybody was complaining about like the the lack of the tendrils and the cgi and everything i'm actually kind of glad that they didn't cover him up with all that stuff like they let i said this on uh, when i was reviewing it for the direct they let christian bale be christian bale and i i respect the movie for that i mean the cgi that they did with him i think worked pretty well um but yeah, and I mean that's that's what my feelings on the necro sword and everything. I, I think agree with you completely too with the uh sorry Gary, you go. No, you finish. I've okay, lost my well, train of thought, Gary. So, you gotta go. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> well I feel like honestly Gore is not as strong of a character if he's not played by someone like Christian Bale. Absolutely. Like, he acted the shit out of that role and if it wasn't like as if he didn't go as far or if the person who was cast didn't go as far as he did i would have been way taken out of it like the scene when he's in the cage with the kids and like he's like oh you guys like the beheading well here here you go like that was really menacing that was really awesome i loved that yeah i loved that i could have used way more of that way more like you guys both said god butchering because that i feel like Thor did almost as much god butchering in this yeah. movie as Gore did. So we, we got enough to know that he's he's the god butcher, but we didn't get a lot more like there wasn't a lot of extra in terms of that. Yeah, he's like I a temporary god butcher. It's like yeah, a mantle. The sinisterness of the character was incredible, and that's exactly kind of how I've been feeling. Is it's so good? I'm mad we didn't get a little bit more because it was an all-time MCU villain performance. But I don't think Gore is an all-time MCU villain just because the art kind of fizzled out for me at the end there. Except for, of course, his daughter, which we're going to talk about uh, more later. Garrett, I'm happy you brought up the part about Thor butchering more gods than um, than Gore did. Because we all saw the trailers and we see Zeus in the trailer and 
it was pretty much a consensus among fans that Gore was going to be going in and wiping Zeus and that whole lot out. It was Thor who took out Zeus. And now we obviously see in the end credits that uh, he's alive and well-ish. Um, but it was Thor who took him down. And I thought that was pretty cool to kind of see him go from, I idolize this man, I'm Thunder, he's Lightning, to, you know what, screw you. I'm actually stronger than you. If you're not going to help me, it's done. And I thought that was uh, really awesome. Rich, what did you think about that scene? Because I know the first uh, picture we saw of it, we thought we were all looking at Bast. And then we really didn't get much of the other gods outside of Zeus, even though we got that mention of Ra. Yeah, I mean, I would have enjoyed seeing more of the gods, definitely. Um, and, and like I said, I keep going back to that. Like, everything was great. They could have just used a tiny bit more. Um, I mean, the gods we did get in there was pretty cool. It was cool seeing uh, Korg's, Korg's god. And I know I think uh, I think Taika Waititi played him too, which you know of course that just another great Waititiism on his um, throne of scissors. On the throne of scissors, I didn't even realize that until actually my buddy Matt Remke pointed that out. Rock beat scissors, so funny. <laughs> that one, that one cracked me up. That was brilliant, and I love Taika Waititi for that. Side note: Can't wait for what we do in the shadows starting tonight. Um, anyway, on but the that's tonight. Of, I on think the same so. note of Taika and Korg. His Korg's boyfriend at the end of the movie is Dwayne the Rock. Absolutely amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. It's so awesome. I think that might be the closest we get to getting Dwayne Johnson in the MCU. (laughs) (laughs) A little rock, paper, scissors humor for you. Oh, Uh, man. But but no, that scene was pretty cool. And here's one of my biggest actually compliments about the movies. I shared this on my, my Twitter post right as I got out. Probably the most colorful movie in MCU history. And I absolutely love that about it because uh, one of the things that the MCU has gotten complaints for in the past is kind of the, the dulled down colors in, in some movies, like even some people complained about it with like the Russo brothers movies, like the Captain America's and the Avengers and stuff like that. There was no complaints about this one. Um, I mean, omnipotent city looked incredible. Um, I mean, there were a couple of CGI points. Like I noticed the dragon in there wasn't perfect, but it was still pretty cool. Um, and, and obviously Zeus, um, I mean, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about Russell Crowe doing Zeus, but I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, especially like when he's really, really getting into it with Thor, um, like when he's all close and all menacing and stuff, super creepy and like peak Russell Crowe. Um, but no, that scene was definitely, it was interesting. I mean, it really turned the movie on its head at that point. I enjoyed the extra backstory that it, brings to moon Knight like retroactively and, that, yeah. and how like we didn't see all the gods and then the ones that we did see were kind of like all right like there's a reason we don't really have avatars anymore to the ones that did have avatars and they were like no we still gotta help these humans and the other ones were like ah, oh, and no. they seemed so nonchalant about arthur harrow and amit yeah there was bigger fish to fry gore oh, was well, on yeah. the loose they got they have bigger things to worry about than a god being raised from the dead when all of the gods are being wiped out. So I agree, Garrett. I think that was a very cool kind of greater MCU addition. And the other thing that I find interesting is like we've been talking about a lot of like the Moon Knight gods would have made sense to have here. Bast would have made sense to have here. Stuff like that. I think they seem to be making a conscious effort in a lot of these projects to really contain it. So that even 30 movies into the MCU, 30 projects in, even if you've only seen the Thor movies, you can still make sense of Thor 4. 
you don't have to have seen all 30 movies, all 30 projects. You just have to see have seen the Thor ones. And so I liked, even though, again, I would have liked more, we got a little Selvig. We got a little Darcy. Garrett, do you think they're going that route as well? Yeah, and I think that that makes sense, you know, because there's this ever topic trending of is there superhero fatigue what is superhero fatigue who has superhero fatigue we have super like blah 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 blah. it's always like it's always a thing right and you know that they've seen that and that and eventually like while definitely there's the majority of us who still love these films like eventually down the line it could get to a place where things get a little bit stale so i love that you know i love that we are getting these more focused stories i love that the representation is coming through on all pretty much all the projects we've seen thus far in phase four. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, I think you hit that on the head and I think it's not a bad thing. I agree with you there. And we do get to spend more time with the characters we have then again, maybe if the movie was a little longer, but rich, we talked about Valkyrie and how amazing she is. And we would have liked to see a, a little more with her. It was pretty darn cool. She ended up getting Zeus's weapons, Zeus's thunderbolt to take to battle. What did you think about what we got from both Jane and Valkyrie in this movie? It was kind of fun how the try, like, I don't want to say love triangle, but how yeah. Valkyrie was kind of involved in the Jane and Thor and how she knew Team more Jane, of Jane's yeah. perspective. What do you, what did you think about uh, that story arc? No, I mean, Valkyrie was awesome. I mean, there, there was as much action with her as in the in the past in in um endgame and ragnarok and i i thought the humor was really good with her jane was actually almost my co-mvp of the movie um along with christian bale i thought natalie portman freaking brought it um i mean i think this is probably easily her best performance at least to me in the mcu and and i love the way that they played it i mean because we obviously knew the cancer storyline was coming i mean if anyway any of us have read comics or anything that's how the mighty Thor stuff ties in. But I thought the way they handled that with her having cancer and being the mighty Thor, they actually did a really good job, like balancing that out between, you know, this really weak and on the brink of death Jane, and then her becoming a freaking superhero. Um, and I thought Natalie Portman did a, had a fantastic performance. I thought the story worked really well for her and we'll get into more of her later, but um no, she was one of my favorite parts of the movie, honestly. And the way she wielded Mjolnir was so incredible. The way yeah. she was able to split it up and use it differently than Thor did. And I agree with MTF in the comments here uh, on, on our Twitch comments. Jane being terrible with catchphrases was a pretty, pretty awesome gag. And I thought <laughs> yeah. that was pretty hilarious. Eat my hammer was a good one to go. I was just going to say, eat my <laughs> hammer. That was great. That was fantastic. What did you think of the Jane Thor Mjolnir dynamic, uh, Garrett? I like in Ragnarok, obviously, Korg brings up that it sounds like he had a pretty intimate relationship with that hammer. And <laughs> we see the next level of that uh, here in Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, I've got to say it's not something that I expected going into it, though I I guess it was kind of hinted at in the, in the marketing. But uh, like if you retroactively looking at it you're like oh okay i can I, I can see that but it was funny stormbreaker being a little jealous you know <laughs> being a little jealous thing i didn't expect it and I, I there was a point where i was like you know this might get old and then it continued to not get old i felt that way about the goats as well i was like 
and say me and Nina were both like the first time we heard them, we were like, oh wow, this could get like really annoying. And then it just never got annoying. I'm a goat enthusiast. I think that they were hilarious and uh will not be taking any questions about that. <laughs> I think there was only maybe one time when I saw it today where I didn't laugh out loud with the goats. The goats I, I agree. They just Actually, crashed into the, a wall or the ground, whatever that yeah, was. The planet. The whole yeah, planet. planet. Like, that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I lost it, it there. It, it actually worked better. I agree. Better than I was expecting. And uh, no, actually, the Stormbreaker Thor relationship was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. I never thought I would see the day where an Asgardian weapon could actually look jealous of somebody. <laughs> no kidding no kidding and it was really cool too how we got to see with thor and jane's past when he's of course still wielding mjolnir and he eventually says to it like you keep her safe like protect her no matter what i noticed that today yeah that of course leads to jane being able to weird wield mjolnir and although it made her sicker of course it made they made it pretty clear with her treatments that she wasn't getting better um, there wasn't a lot that could be done. So it was definitely a... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So amazing and powerful in some ways. So tough and heart-wrenching uh, in other ways. And I thought it was so incredibly beautiful that they really emphasize throughout this movie. They make a point of really making sure we know it from different characters throughout the, the, the movie. You need to die in battle to end up in Valhalla. You need to die in battle. Well, Jane didn't die in a physical mono mono battle with someone else. She died in a battle with cancer and wound up in Valhalla. She met Heimdall and there was an incredible way to kind of finish that off. I still don't really know what is a God and what isn't a God, but whatever, I can let that go. (laughs) Garrett and Rich, I'll ask both of you, but Garrett, I want to hear from you first. Do you think this is the last we've seen of Dr. Jane Foster, a.k.a. the Mighty Thor? No, absolutely not. I think in a lot of the projects that we've seen uh, in this phase, there has been some form of realm or like a talk about realms. And uh, Moon Knight certainly went heavily into it. Miss Marvel is currently diving into it. Shang-Chi uh black panther so i think that there's a reason that we saw heimdall we saw jane we saw valhalla and i i 
would imagine that it's going to come back down the line and, and maybe, you know, I don't know. I, someone stop I me agree before with you. I They're say going, something crazy. They do seem to be going out of their way to show us each of these interdimensional realms, of course, with, um, we haven't yet seen Kun Wan, but uh, of course we see Tao Wo, uh, we see the, uh, the, the realm in um, the afterlife in Black Panther, we see the Field of Reeds in Moon Knight, and now we we got to see Valhalla here. So they are giving us each of those uh, realms, and it's kind of interesting that we could... We're seeing more of that in Phase 4 than we have anywhere else. Rich, do you think we're going to get uh, more Jane Foster? And do you think it'll be the same Jane Foster that we get, or will this be a just fully formed Mighty Thor from a different part of the multiverse? I don't think they're going the multiverse route with, with Jane. I mean, I, I think... They, obviously they could be lying marvel lies about a lot of stuff to fans but i think they've gone on that fact too hard for them to actually like change routes and go a different jane foster from another part of the multiverse um but it's funny i didn't actually think that they were gonna do a ton with jane i i wouldn't have been shocked if she came back but maybe it's more of like like a cameo role like something like how heimdall did in this movie um, but now that I think about it, actually, what Garrett said kind of got me thinking that there might be more of a role for her than I think everybody is expecting. I mean, just because they have shown so many of the afterlives in the MCU. I mean, the, I mean, obviously, the, the eternal plane, I think it is in uh, Black Panther, or the ancestral plane. That's what it is in yes, Black Panther. The ancestral plane. That's yep. I kept saying afterlife realm yeah. because I, I shadow realm was in my head from this right. movie and I just right. couldn't think of uh, the proper proper yeah. words. Like, the ancestral plane, obviously the uh, the I've field been of playing reeds. a lot yeah, of Yu-Gi-Oh! And so Shadow Realm, when I was, I was watching this movie and they said that, I was like, ha, there it is, and it's just been <laughs> in my head ever since. Wow, yeah, right. Um, that's fair. But yeah, no, thinking about that now, I wouldn't be shocked, and especially because Natalie Portman has said she'd be down to to come back and do more Mighty Thor stuff later on. So I don't think it would shock me as much as I expected it to if she comes back. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. The other thing in the movie that I could have used another five to ten minutes on was the quest for eternity. And getting to see eternity and the celestials abound there was pretty cool. Obviously, the fight in front of them. I don't know if any celestials were actually taken out or if uh, those were just kind of like idols of the Celestials, kind of almost avatars, as it were. But mm -hmm. uh, it was cool we got to see Eternity, and I would have liked to just, again, get a bit more of the quest. I understand that both getting there and getting there with a specific weapon to open the Bifrost, or it would be a very difficult quest, and that's why no one's gotten there. But it did just kind of seem odd to me about, like, Oh no, he's gonna get there. No one's done it before, but now he's uh, he's on route to get whatever he uh, to get whatever that he wants. Um, so I could have just used about five to ten more minutes on that quest. But Rich, what did you think about Eternity and Gore's daughter, Love? Uh, now that we call her Half of Love and Thunder, which I thought was an incredibly cool twist on the title that I did not see coming. I didn't realize this was gonna be a movie about fatherhood and ex just being willing to embrace love and open yourself up i thought that all was kinds incredible. of love exactly exactly yeah. just acts love being willing to just accept <laughs> love and we support all forms of love here on the agents of fandom outside of the deep from the boys um outside of that we uh we support all kinds but yeah. uh 
back to Thor Love and Thunder and Love in specifically, what did you think about Eternity and Gore's Eternity-powered child, Love? I mean, it was, uh, they definitely took a swing there with, uh, you know, some different directions. I think obviously it was different than anybody was expecting. And I mean, uh, Gore's daughter was obviously what tied the whole movie together. I mean, we saw her obviously pass away at the beginning and then she comes back at the end with this whole eternity plot. And, um, I, I really like it. And and the thing I like too, about the, the attorney Gore's daughter thing, it puts Thor in a place that we have never seen him before in, we get literal dad Thor. And I think I kind of love that direction for him going forward because we've seen him do pretty much everything else in the MCU. We've seen him be a warrior friend, you know, he's his love, love interest with Jane, but now he's got a daughter to raise and, and shout out obviously to um, India Hemsworth, who uh, is, you know, Chris Hemsworth, real life daughter. So cool. I was so going to say cool. shout out to Chris Hemsworth for just setting up his daughter for life. For real. Yeah. Well, the entire Hemsworth family too. I mean, yeah. Hemsworth was in it. His wife was in it as the wolf woman. How about the extended Matt Damon can- cameo in this movie? Yes. Not only and did Luke Matt Hemsworth. Damon come back. And Melissa McCarthy. Can- <laughs> yeah. And Melissa McCarthy. Like, Oh, and Sam Neill too, right? Apparently, yeah. Mark Hamill was in this movie for a couple seconds. Apparently, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, I meant to look for him, and I didn't. And I'm so mad I didn't. I'm gonna make sure to look for that next time. But no, the cameos in this movie were incredible, and the entire Hemsworth family getting in is that's a These shout out to them. Our cameos. People yes. talked about cameos in Multiverse of Madness. The Illuminati were not cameos. This is what a cameo is. It's right. these type of things we got in that movie. Um, I got big baby, uh, little uh, young Leia vibes from Obi-Wan Kenobi from Love at the end of the movie there. And I agree. I think it's very cool. We get to see Thor in a brand new light. Garrett, I want not only your thoughts on Love, but I think that, and what I love the most about this movie is this was the most most emotional growth we have seen from Thor in any movie ever. Obviously his origin, he had a lot. Um, Dark World was more almost backpedals of just grief and negative things happening to him. Infinity War was just him trucking along, not acknowledging things, but just being a warrior. Endgame, we get to see him just take another backpedal with his grieving and not wanting to acknowledge the pain that he's suffering. Finally here, in Thor Love and Thunder, he really seems to progress. What did you think of his emotional arc and it ending with him having a daughter now? Yeah, well, I, want, I do want to say I loved Eternity. I thought he looked cool as shit. thought they did a great job with that. Yeah. Um, I w- was a little annoyed, I want to say. Maybe not annoyed, but I didn't love Thor at the beginning of the movie. Like... It felt like he definitely took a giant step back at the end of the movie and he was just kind of a, an asshole. Um, <laughs> but by the end, you know, I love I love that this is where he's heading. Um, I, I love that they really hammered home the love theme throughout the entirety of the movie. And then, bang, at the end, he's got a daughter named Love. Uh, I was so shocked. And she is going to be crazy strong crazy strong and uh i guess it remains to be seen what what her entire power set will be but the young avengers the next generation is really just they are 
they're looking kind of stacked. She's just out here walking around with Stormbreaker. Like that's she's it's taller than her, it's bigger than she is, and she's just we get to we go back to Infinity War when Thor is talking to the Guardians. And I guess we didn't really touch on the Guardians being in this movie, and I think that's okay. I think it was a fun little bit with them in there at the beginning. It made sense continuity-wise, and I was kind of fun with them being there at the start and not past that. But Thor talking to the Guardians in Infinity War, he says, no, that weapon is far too powerful. It would collapse your brains into whatever, whatever, (laughs) and Rocket says, oh, that's kind of fun. Um, Is it weird that I want to do it even more now? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And... Yes, yes, it is. Um, and so we kind of see Love wielding it with absolutely no problem. We don't really know what her powers are yet. We got to see that they are, of course, the same kind of color of Eternity. So we know these aren't just God Butcher or uh, Stormbreaker powers. These are Eternity-based powers. It's going to be very interesting to see what comes of uh, Love and, I guess, Thunder. <laughs> That, that was an absolutely perfect tie-in of the title. I It, it might have been cheesy as hell, but I love it. Yeah, it ended up working, and I, I enjoyed that also. Yeah. yeah. And there's still lightning on the loose, too. Yeah, absolutely. We got that lightning bolt out there somewhere. Lightning bolt out there somewhere, and we also have someone else out there somewhere. And this was one of my favorite parts of the movie because I got through – I was trying to go very unspoiled. And I got one thing spoiled for me, and that would be, and that was that Hercules was going to be in the post-credit scene. What was great is the leak was wrong, and it said that Hercules was going to be played by Jason Sudeikis. And so when I saw Roy Kent, as opposed to Ted Lasso out there, it was a really fun movie. Exactly, <laughs> but right, it really could have go, gone both ways because. I apologize. I don't remember uh, the actor who plays Roy Kent's. Uh, Brett Goldstein. Brett, Gold- Brett Goldstein, right. Thank you. Um, Brett Goldstein, the look of Hercules was down there, right? It's got from the beard to the way his hair is shaped. He looked like Hercules. But this also looked like a very angry, aggressive Hercules. And a lot of the Hercules we know from comics is can be a little Thor-like at times, like a bit of a, a bit of a, like, uh, likes to flirt with the ladies and be a bit of a goof so it's it's interesting that they seem to be doing a bit of a angry aggressive take on uh on uh hercules here brett goldstein our man roy kent i should have been wearing the jersey for this show garrett what did you think of uh the little hercules tease we got roy kent Kelly's? i loved it i was super <laughs> i was super hyped i i also this was gonna be like the f- the first product in a super long time that I got nothing spoiled from. Uh, I ended up getting something spoiled for me like the day before. And that was that Jane Foster was going to die. And so I was really bummed. I was really bummed about that, That but I didn't get this spoiled for me. And so I was surprised and I was stoked and I was blown away. I was, I was, uh, Zeus getting, a whole burst through his chest and then coming back i it was just it took me back so i didn't expect it and i also like i know this might upset some people in the chat but i'm not a fan of the nonsensical post credit scenes that like don't do anything like the multiverse of madness second one bruce um, campbell one yeah yeah the bruce campbell one like yeah okay it was funny but 
yeah. I don't I like don't really want to sit here an extra 15 minutes for this to be honest with you like I could just watch this on YouTube but these two were both worth it and I love that I'm blanking on what the second one was right now Valhalla Valhalla right yes of course yes. we talked about I, it I, yeah. in my mind I thought that was part we of talked the movie. about it earlier yeah 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 in my mind I thought that was part of the movie Rich what did you think of uh the Hercules tease we got and do you think this is going to be strictly a Thor villain moving forward or do you think we're going to get Herc in the Avengers? You know, it's really funny for me. When I saw this at the premiere, it took me a couple of seconds to actually get into my brain that, wait a second, Roy Kent is Hercules in the MCU. Like, I don't think it actually clicked with me until the screen went to black. That's how that's how crazy it was for me. I mean, obviously, I'm a Ted Lasso fan. I mean, Brett Goldstein is, is probably my favorite person on that show. And the fact that he's Hercules in the MCU is sign me the hell up for it. Um, but no, it, it's funny. I think, and it's funny. I was thinking about like this version of Hercules that we're getting. It almost kind of reminds me of like Thor one, Thor, like the early days of um, like phase one Thor when he's still just like you said, Garrett, kind of an asshole. And, uh, you know, just kind of conquering worlds and trying to be this superhero and everything. Um, so I think that's where we may start off with Hercules when he first comes in. But I think eventually he'll be he'll be on his way to joining the Avengers in some form or another. I, I don't even think maybe he'll be a villain, like maybe even for the first whole movie that he's in. So I'm excited to see, though. He's somebody that I could see having a real quick heel turn once he meets Thor and goes, yeah, I hate my dad too. He's a real dick. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, dad problems, uh, right? yeah, they hit it off. I'd really love to see them kind of having a similar relationship to what we've seen Hulk and Thor having in the MCU. Um, yeah. We talked about how contained this movie felt in a lot of ways. We saw it similarly with Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel. We get a lot of references outside of that, but it's still contained for the most part. Doctor Strange, very multiversal, but the story was contained to Doctor Strange movies, Infinity War, Endgame, and WandaVision. Now, going forward, what this le really left us in the MCU with is Zeus being pissed off with Hercules coming uh, forward, and Thor's a dad now. Jane's in Valhalla, but there's not really any earth-shattering changes outside to the changes for our characters specifically. What do you think this movie could set forward in the MCU? And what do you think it could tie into next, Garrett? You know, I'm, I'm not a forward thinker. You know, I'm, st <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still mulling on my first time. I still want to see it a second time to hopefully, like, not be as disappointed as I was the first time. And I don't want to say, like, I was super disappointed, but, you know. Yeah. I didn't, I... I wanted it to be on Ragnarok's level. I can listen to Ragnarok and to this day, like laugh for 45 minutes out of the movie. Um, and I, and I don't think that I'll be able to do that with this Thor going for like after watching it multiple times, but who knows? I, I, I'll wait till my, my second watch and we'll see, but. I do feel like for me, this is going to be a very rewatchable movie. That's one of the negative, like, as, mu as much as I've talked negatives about the runtime, that's, to me, one of the positives about a short runtime is, like, I think I've actually watched Multiverse of Madness now more than I've watched Spider-Man No Way Home, even though I like Spider-Man No Way Home better and the characters in Spider-Man No Way Home better. 
but it's just really easy to fit in a two-hour movie while like you're half paying attention to not and you're doing something else you're getting some work done you're doing some cleaning whatever it is um i find that the shortness of it will be a, a good way to kind of get it in often yeah um and, and it's funny too like i am curious to see how the the rest of this like next phase of the mcu because i mean obviously we got like black panther 2 and guardians 3 and man 3 the marvels and everything i am really curious to see how those movies do runtime wise because i mean like they're all big sequels they've all got a bunch of characters and a bunch of huge storylines to tackle um so i'm curious to see if marvel like maybe sees i don't know if i want to say the discourse that's been going on online behind multiverse of madness and love and thunder because both of them were pretty much like 210 and under but um but i am curious to see where that goes going forward i think that makes a lot of sense garrett rank this movie out of 10 for me and uh give me your final thoughts i'm gonna give this movie exactly what it deserves a 6.9 out of 10 a 6.9 out of 10 now it's important to clarify here is your 6.9 out of 10 in general for movies or is that in comparison to mcu projects Can I just say it's a 6.9 out of 10? It's a 6.9 out of 10. <laughs> Gary, Richard, what uh, what's your rating for this movie? I'm a little bit higher. I would say I'm thinking about like an 8.5 for me. I mean, it's like I said, it's got its issues, but I still really, really enjoy it. Nice. I think that makes sense. I'm going to go 8 out of 10. It ranks for me kind of around the... Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Spider-Man Homecoming, Captain America Civil War, Loki, that range of MCU pro uh, projects for me, the middle to upper tier, top half, but just barely, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And top half MCU, that means I love it, I adore it, and I can't yeah. wait to watch it again. So that's, I like to the, think about these movies critically, but it's exactly rich, you go, it's and that still means it's great. <laughs> That's the thing is this is, I think, the 35th MCU project. And if it's anywhere even like close to your top 10 or so, because I, I think Thor's the Love of Thunder is in my top 10, as is Ragnarok. And I think Multiverse of Madness is kind of near the lower end of my top 10. But if you're even remotely up there, you're doing a hell of a job because that means you're one of the top MCU projects over the last 14 years. Yeah, it's the longer that list grows, the more impressive it is to be near the top. Mm -hmm. And so, Rich, before we get out of here, what uh, I know you're writing 17 different articles already today and tomorrow. <laughs> what do you got on the go and where can the people find you? Well, you can find me at uh, at Richard Debbins on Twitter. Um, obviously, right for MCU Direct uh, and then obviously the DC and Star Wars side, too. Take a look over the next few days and I'll tell you guys more about this later, but I actually have something pretty big in the works um over the next couple of days i can't wait to share more about it but uh as soon as i can say something about it you guys will hear heck yes we can't wait to know that sounds spicy and if you want to hear more from garrett and i on thursday we got uh our friend lee swift finalist from season two of the circle netflix he's joining us to talk the season finale of ms marvel and of course, we have our other podcast with Lee, Ticket to Reality, where we talk all the top reality TV shows like The Circle, Big Brother, Squid Game, Survivor, 
we uh, our first three guests we've had on were uh, Delisa and Trevor Saint from The Circle, as well as Jack Atkins from season three of The Circle. And uh, our last episode, we had a Big Brother draft where each of us uh, took took four of the contestants that uh, we thought uh, would win. Garrett, you look like you got some thoughts. You, you seem pumped up about your Big Brother squad. Yeah, no, I I I, I didn't know if you were going to hit on on the fun event that we did during during that podcast so i was just excited to i was excited to bring it up i know you thought you had the draft strategy in the bag but i don't know i think i think the teams got mixed up fairly well i didn't see the second episode so i don't know how that's gonna go but uh it was really fun and lee and i are very competitive apparently and we got into some heated not heated some lovingly heated beef and it was hilarious it was great it's great listen so Whenever it comes out, I don't know when it's coming out, but when it comes out, I think it's out now. I think it's out now. If it's out now, then you should listen to it because it's hilarious. And uh, stay tuned for future competitions between me and Lee. (laughs) So we got myself, Garrett, Lee, and of course Emma, who's right in the in the chat right now and on the Tickets to Reality podcast, doing our Big Brother draft. If you have interest in reality TV, make sure you check it out. It's available wherever you get your podcasts and on the Agents of Fandom YouTube channel. And uh, of course, the Agents of Fandom socials, you know where to find them. Tickets to reality, it's the number two, not the T.O. That uh, will do it for this week's podcast. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled to agentsoffandom.com for that stuff, as well as our interview with Bill Ratner from G.I. Joe. And you check out the Agents of Fandom store as well. For myself, for my amazing co-host Garrett, for our fantastic wizard of a producer, Ruben, and for our great guest, Richard Nevins from The Direct. Thank you so much for joining us today. Peace. Peace. See ya.